0: Welcome to Talking Kotlin. On this episode, we're speaking with Jorge Castillo about functional programming and how you can use it to improve your code when working with Android applications. Jorge, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Hadi. I'm uh, really happy to be here on this Talking Kotlin, speaking with you a little bit about how we use uh, functional programming in terms of improving our 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 architecture in our Android apps. and really happy to be here.
0: It's great having you. And I know that we're quite close. Um, You live in Murcia and I live in Malaga. So we're relatively close to each other. Um, And at some point we're going to be asking ourselves, you know, as they do typically in Spanish is like, then why are we speaking in English? Well, we're speaking (laughs) in English because uh, our audience of Talking Kotlin is uh, English speaking. That's it, of course. One day we might do a Spanish version of this. Yeah, Uh, maybe. Anyway, so I pinged you some time ago because I saw a blog post that you had written uh, regarding how to use or how to avoid using IOC frameworks, inversion of control frameworks, when doing software development and how you kind of had moved away from this idea of dependency injection to a more functional approach. And I said, hey, you know what, Jorge, Let's have you on the show and let's discuss this a little bit more in detail, right? So give us first a little bit of background of, you know, what, what is your background in computer, I mean, in software development?
1: Okay, sure. So I started working uh, uh, on Android applications like five or six years ago. I don't really know the exact amount of time it, it took, but I think it has been like five or six uh, years. And I started working for small companies. But since then, I I have just uh, worked over normal, standard products, uh, you know. So we did a lot of different apps. uh, We did even uh, in one of the companies I was working, uh, uh, I was uh, working on games uh, using the Android framework and advanced uh, use of uh, animations and the rendering system. So it was pretty cool. Uh, But yeah, more or less, I, I. been always working on, on product companies. And I'm just, a, I'm just a random guy from Spain. I live in Murcia, as you said before. And uh, just trying to give uh, you know uh, an opportunity to functional programming around Android development because with languages like Kotlin, I think it's a real possibility from now on.
0: And your background before uh, Kotlin was Java, I assume, right?
1: Yes, it is. It is. It's mainly Java. We have been stuck with Java for a long time uh, uh, on Android. So yeah, it is.
0: When you took on this interest in Kotlin, was it more, I want to do functional programming, Kotlin feels like a good fit, let me learn Kotlin? Or was it more, oh, Kotlin is a nice language, let me start to use it. Oh, look, I can do some functional things with Kotlin.
1: Yeah, I think the later one is the correct one. I mean, would you switch to a language like Kotlin, I mean, if you're an Android developer, the first thing you, you're thinking about is just to get more expressivity from the language itself, but not, but just kind of do a natural step forward, you know, to to adapt uh, to modern techniques of uh, of uh, development. So you're not really thinking about functional programming itself, but I think it's something that just comes out uh, because the you know the 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 nature of the language itself when you start using. Things and features like high order functions or maybe uh, optionals or whatever, you stop seeing that uh, your, your code is approaching a more functional level. So it's kind of an idea that uh, uh, rises after switching to, to a language like Kotlin.
0: Yeah. And in the Android space, of course, you know, it's well known that one of the benefits that Kotlin provides is the ability to have lambdas. But I'm assuming that. When we're talking about functional programming targeted towards android you're going a bit step beyond the just simple using lambdas right
1: yes of course functional programming even if i'm not an expert on that because i'm just starting to learn and it's not that uh, i could talk, talk a lot about functional programming <clears throat> in a deep way but uh, yes, when we're talking about functional programming, it's not just about Lambdas. You have a lot of different things to think about, like using uh, pure functions to define and model the system that you're working on, and maybe uh, using uh, different types of uh, monads, optionals, a lot of structures and functions that you, that you use to compose the, the, you know, uh, all the transformations that you are doing over your data across your, the different layers of your application. So, functional programming is much more than just using lambdas.
0: Now, one of the things that is quite debatable at times is what exactly constructs a functional language. And I have to say that I agree with a statement that Eric Meyer has said frequently, which is, you know, if the language has the ability to treat functions as first-class citizens, Mm -hmm. then for me, it is a functional language. Uh, there are some schools of thought that say, well, you know, nothing beyond, you know, if 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 the language allows side effects or if the mm-hmm. language doesn't have the dot operator or things like that, mm-hmm. it's not. Where where do you sit on this spectrum?
1: Yeah, I would say that uh, the the kind of uh, first uh, citizen approach is the is the right one on this because when you open a language to that sort of feature. Uh, which we have to say also for clarifying that was also possible to be done in Java, but maybe using some boilerplate code like interfaces and using anonymous implementations for the for the classes and so on. So it was pretty much uh, dirty to get it working and not as powerful and as what uh, you can do with Kotlin or other languages accepting uh, high order functions. So when you open the language to that possibility, you start seeing a different way of uh, development because it's kind of, you're able to pass functions as parameters or return functions as return values of other functions. So you start seeing the code more in a more pure way because you start seeing functions just like uh, you see a class in object-oriented programming and you start using it, using those even, even not using instances itself so you get in some way rid of instances all over your code and just a user using just pure functions without side effects
0: okay and there's a couple of words you've said there and we'll examine them one by one but just to put people into perspective so by higher order function we're basically referring to a function that takes a function as a parameter or returns a function right Mm -hmm. and let's try and break apart all of these different things you've said, and see how it actually helps users. Because at the end of the day, all of this can seem amazing. And, you know, sometimes they say at a party, it makes you sound like the smartest person in the room, right? But at the end of the day, if I want to adopt some of these functional programming techniques, what value is it going to bring me as a developer? And in our case that we're discussing specifically Android. So one of the topics that you've mentioned is pure functions. Can you describe a little bit to our audience what exactly a pure function is?
1: Okay. I think the right way to start this topic would be to have a brief, a brief explaining of what's a referential transparency. I think that's the term itself. And that means that a function should explain by itself a which, which action is it going to do over the parameters that you are passing it in? And what is it going to return? So pure functions are oriented to that uh, approach. So the point here is that your functions uh, just operate over the arguments that you are passing them, uh, those in and uh, provide a result depending on those arguments. And there, are, there must not be any side effects involved on it. So side effects, uh, what's that, right? Side effects is just when you call a function, for example, and then uh, you just expect the function to do something and return some value. But in the middle of its uh, execution, it it could be calling external uh, things, maybe other frameworks, like uh, storing something into a a database or whatever. And you don't even know about that. That's uh, The function is doing it in a, high, in a hidden way in some, in some way, right? So that's a side effect. And that makes your function uh, impure because at some point uh, your code could be do- doing something that you really don't know about and that could cause you problems in the state of your system that you are not aware of, right?
0: And so from an Android perspective, Give me an example where you have tried to aim towards pure functions. Where would you use them?
1: Yeah, for example, uh, what a really well-known architecture that we use on Android, and I also know that iOS people is using it also, is clean architecture. Clean architecture is just a, a concept based on divide your your architecture on different decoupled layers with very clear responsibilities. So all those layers are normally instances and you compose, I mean, at runtime, you compose a graph of dependencies uh, that are going to be all the instances involved in all those steps of the the architecture, right? But for pure functions, uh, it's different. I normally, I, what I'm trying to do with the this with, uh, approach is to, to start using pure functions for all those layers and just get rid of uh, instances itself, because in the end, what we really have between all those layers involved in the architecture is just a transformation and composition of different uh, data or values that you obtain maybe from the outer layer where you maybe query a, a, an API or whatever. but from that point ahead, what you are going to do over that data is just transformations, composition, and a lot of things that are just related to, to input parameters and that are going, just going to provide results from each one of those methods involved. So that's a good way to use pure functions. So when you do this, you're kind of opening your architecture to an a really easy end-to-end testing scenario because you, can, you kind of uh, don't need to replicate a full production dependency graph uh, at your testing environment because everything is like statically uh, linked. So you just need to call it from, uh, from one of the edge or one of the limits and expect some results from it. And that, you get that thanks to pure functions. Big,
0: you know, yeah, and of course, there are patterns that you can use when you're designing applications, whether it's web applications or desktop or mobile. In your case, one of these, which I assume that is quite frequently used in the Android space, I'm not an Android developer, so correct me if I'm wrong, is MVP, right? Which is the Model View Presenter, right? Yes, and one of the benefits of Model View Presenter is that you have this separation of concerns and when it comes to testability you don't have to pull in all of your dependencies you don't have to have this entire kind of runtime available for you to do this testing so you say that you get the same benefits here from pure functions where does this fit into the mvp model i mean are you saying that you no longer do any kind of you know, MVP or MVVM or any other kind of separation of concerns or is it just an addition to that?
1: Yeah, it's a little bit hard to explain. But let's say that uh, the MVP pattern or MVVM or whatever are just based on instances itself and it's a way to separate the view implementation itself which is uh, absolutely bound to the framework to Android. Uh, and really hard to replicate at uh, your testing environment uh, from the domain the logic and the business logic of uh, your application. So uh, you can achieve the same uh, the same behavior without having those uh, instances uh, living at runtime. Because in the end, what you really do with all those uh, layers, like the presenter and the use cases for the business layer, and you know even the data source, is just uh, it's just like retrieving data playing with it combining it modeling it uh, and you know forwarding it to the next layer and you do it uh, every time so you can just translate all those steps to simple pure functions that do not need to live inside any class those can still be divided just for semantics if you want like uh, presentation functions and, uh, and domain functions and sort of, you know, like that. But in the end, you don't really need all those instances itself because you're just playing with functions. And functions just play with uh, input data and op- uh, generate an output.
0: So the general f- rule of thumb here is that what you try and follow is when I write functions, that these functions don't modify any kind of state, right? That yes, essentially I operate on the input values and get the output values, right? Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned uh, referential transparency earlier, uh, which is essentially the idea that you know you could replace that function with a lookup table and it would produce the exact same results right
1: yeah yeah that's it yeah so that's uh, more or less the point of of everything when you get rid of instances you are not managing state in any layer so you even don't need to substitute or switch all those uh, kind of logics uh, at your testing environment because those logics are just pure itself so you can just Go, go, move on, and and exercise those real production functions at your testing environment, and you are going to get the most, you know, the nearest uh, results possible to the production uh, uh, runtime. If you're using Kotlin or planning
0: to, make sure you check out KotlinConf, a conference taking place in sunny San Francisco on the 2nd and 3rd of November 2017. It's a two-day event packed with Kotlin content by industry experts with keynotes from Andrei Breslav and Eric Meyer. So whether it's back-end, front-end, mobile, or native, Kotlin Conf is the place to be this year. That's KotlinConf, C-O-N-F.com. Hope to see you there. Now, of course, this isn't only about uh, pure functions, right? In fact, one of the things that sparked our conversation was that you had kind of replaced dependency injection in your application. Um, Before we get into the details of how you've done this, maybe it would be a good idea. I mean, I'm assuming that everyone is pretty much familiar with the concept of dependency injection, but maybe just give a quick summary of what the idea behind that is. Mm
1: -hmm. All right, so dependency injection is just a concept itself, and it's a concept about passing your dependencies Uh, from the outside world into your classes and that means that if you have a class that could have like three or four collaborators to segregate its uh, responsibility properly uh, then the best thing to 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 do for you is to open uh, some sort of holes in your class to be able to pass those collaborators in from the outside world because that's To do that, uh, you are going to be able to switch those dependencies at testing time. So that's the real concept of dependency injection. If we talk about a theory around itself, and you can provide it in really different ways. You can provide DI uh, or dependency injection uh, by constructor injection or by field injection or even by, by method injection. So there are different ways involved to get that.
0: And you're saying that you're moving away from this kind of approach, right?
1: Yeah, it's not exactly like moving away for, from that, but uh, the, the the blog post I wrote has a clear intention, and it's not just saying all the Android developers in the world, hey, you can just get rid of Dagger, and you should get rid of Dagger, because, because uh, you can still use Dagger, right? You can still use it uh, on Kotlin maybe you need to add some uh, some late init modifiers here and there to provide the, the proper late initialization for your fields because uh, otherwise those would not be able to get injected
0: dagger is the dependency injection framework on android right
1: yes it is sorry sorry forgot about that yeah dagger is the the most well known dependency injection framework in, the, in 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 android right and i think the 90% of the people is using it for, for uh, Achieve Dependence Injection. But in the end, the blog post is just to let people think about different ways to provide this, because when you open to a new language, like for this case, we're talking about Koli, uh you start seeing uh, uh, some difference, uh, different features provided by the language that can open you to a whole new world of, of how Achieve Maybe things that you were already doing in a different way, right? Using OOP, uh, object-oriented programming. Programming. So the reader is just a new way to provide or a different way to provide dependency injection. And the concept is a little bit different.
0: Okay, so explain to me in, in the best ways you can, uh, vocally, without a blackboard or a whiteboard, how exactly I would replace uh, dependency that I'm injecting in a class with the approach that you're describing in your blog post?
1: Okay, of course. Let's try to explain it in detail because I know it's hard when we are talking. Just talking. Absolutely. <laughs> so the, the point would be uh, in all the, uh, this uh, reader monad uh, approach would be to have uh, some sort of, uh, let's say, Let's call it just a wrapper class, right? Because maybe we don't want to get into what monads are for for now. Yeah, so not yet. You,
0: we don't want to do that yet. Yeah.
1: So what we have here is some sort of a wrapper class that is uh, is going to 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 store a function inside of it, and the function is just going to 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 receive some context, some execution context as the input parameter, and it's going to return some uh, uh, execution as a body right using that context so that's more or less the concept of the reader so if you define your whole system or your whole flow of data uh, combining different readers for the different layers you are going to get that context passed in, in a sort of implicit way by the reader itself so you
0: Okay, so let's try and put this into a specific example to see if we can kind of get a better picture. Okay. Let's assume that I have um, a presenter, for instance, mm-hmm. in, in my Android application, right? Usually in a presenter, would you be injecting, for instance, uh, data layer access?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, not exactly. We normally would evoke a use case, like an interactor or whatever you want to call it. And the interact- interactor by itself could maybe get injected as a storage or something like that.
0: Okay, so let's take this interactor and then the interactor gets injected this storage, right? That is the typical concept of dependency injection that everyone understands. How would you go about replacing that yeah. in, in, with your approach?
1: Okay, Okay, so first I would need to explain how you run the whole chain of readers, right? The reader is defining just a method to run the function uh, which it has a store, stored inside of it. And when you call this run method, you need to pass the execution context to it. And the execution context is just going to be a simple data class, for example, that is going to contain all the de- needed instances already resolved, already bind, bound and instantiated. So, When your reader receives that context or the method is stored into the reader receives uh, that context, it's going to be able to extract the dependencies or the instances from inside of it and use them for whatever uh, that method needs. So the way to substitute dependency on that uh, kind of dependency graph or execution context it would be just to provide a different uh, data class which uh, we could be used in all the real instances except for maybe one or two of those that you need to replace with a stub or a mock or whatever.
0: Okay, so how would that actually be any different to me using an IOC framework and having the IOC framework inject the dependencies if I still have to pass something in. I mean, are you essentially saying that instead of passing in a dependency, I now have to provide a wrapper class, a context? Isn't that essentially the same thing?
1: Yeah, in some way it would be. I mean, uh, the good thing about this is that uh, the reader itself is a monad. So if you're using the reader reader across the different layers, you would not just uh, have that dependency implicitly passed in. And I know that you already have that with other IOC frameworks. But you will also have all those methods and combinators to play with readers and compose the logic easily using methods like or functions like map and flat map to be able to to, to communicate the different readers uh, from the different layers. So that's one of the good things also.
0: So you've mentioned two words here. One of them is monad several times and the other one is a combinator. Uh, I don't think we have enough time to get into both of them, but mm-hmm. let's just take the, you know, the monad, which is one of these taboo words at times. How is this at all related to a monad?
1: Mm-hmm. The river itself uh, would be a monad. And what's a monad? A monad is just a, uh, to, to don't get too much into detail. It would be some sort of a generified class that it's going to be able to handle some value inside of it. And it's going to provide you with some uh, methods or, or let's say, combinators in order to help you uh, combining different monads or different elements of the same same kind of wrapper type, right? So when we talk about monads, and it's not just monads, of course, you would need to talk about a lot of different topics like uh, functors and applicatives and a lot of things. But when we talk about monads in a generic way, we're talking about uh, a new way, to st- a different way to structure your data. And it's going to be related to, 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 to more like using uh, wrappers and combinators uh, between the different monads to be able to achieve the behaviors you want to achieve, right?
0: Okay, and I think that we will be accompanying this show with your blog post so that people that are listening to it might be able to you know, follow th- with some code examples uh, because it obviously isn't an easy... You know, the, the, There's a saying around monads I'm sure you're familiar with that once you learn what a monad is, you will never be able to explain it to anyone else. <laughs> um, and it's, I, I kind of finally understood the idea of monads when I learned Haskell. And funnily enough, I thought, oh, this is really easy. (laughs) Let me explain this to you. And what everyone was hearing was blah, 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 (laughs) Um, And there's also, uh, you know, there's there's a thousand different Monad tutorials on the web. So, you know. I realize that it's not an easy concept to explain, especially without a whiteboard in front. Yeah, it's hard. Um,
1: It's hard, of course. It is. Um,
0: But to kind of summarize a little bit, so, you know, uh, our audience can read through your blog post and and try and follow through a little bit. But what would you say that this has provided you in terms of benefits in the longer term? I mean, you know, we can get into the nitty-gritty details of aren't you in one way or another doing something similar to dependency injection or not, which, you know, as the readers, they they can see that it's, it's a slightly different concept. But from your perspective as an Android developer, like what benefits do you feel this is providing you? Mm-hmm.
1: All right, so... Uh, yeah, the first thing to say is that it's just an alternative. And of course, uh, you don't need to just use readers from now on. It's not the, the intention of the blog post, but just to make people think. And the, the benefits from using a reader could be, but, I mean, we we have already talked about this in some way, would be like, uh, and I think some people could see this as an, a, not as an advantage, but as a handicap also. And it's that you are using... Mm, I'm sorry to bring this concept again in, but you have that sort of unit of composition that you can use across the different layers involved in in your architecture. And that's helping you a lot to use the same language, I mean language in terms of how you name your functions and which sort of functions you end up using. So you kind of use the same language for your whole application because you're starting to have a really high synergy between all the different elements inside your app. Because if you're using also optionals, uh, you will realize that that's also uh, a monad and uh, that you can also apply methods like map or flat map over optionals. So you end up having like a really special and coherent language for all the things you're doing inside your app. And it, in some way, it ends up being like just using the same three or four combinators all over the place, uh, independently if you are talking about the reader or talking about optional, or maybe talking about ethers or, or whatever. So that, that's, a, in my opinion, that's a huge uh, win uh, in terms of uh, of uh, you know of of uh, functional programming,
0: so you would generally say that uh, adopting these functional programming paradigms is leading you to somewhat cleaner, more yeah. understandable code. Yeah, I would
1: say so. I mean, the best. To me, the best benefit of using a functional paradigm is uh, that, of course, it's gonna remove side effects, which is going uh, to, you know, as a consequence, it's going to make your code more predictable. And as a consequence of it, you are going to have a, a code easier to test because you really know at any moment in time what your code would be doing thanks to pure functions and thanks to transparential reference
0: makes sense well it was great having you on the show uh, there's a lot of concepts there that i think uh, you know is not that easy to grasp for for people on on, on first impact but uh, definitely worth exploring and you mentioned other words such as combinators that i think and functors and applicative functors that's uh you know are, are gonna require their own uh, show i guess <laughs> to to just go through each yeah of
1: we can we can have a round two if you want any any yes. moment in time
0: a- absolutely well great well thanks again for coming on the show and
1: uh until next time okay thanks for having me here on this talking codling and, and see you next time